0: When you're done with the episode, if you're getting value from this show, please make sure to leave us a review on whatever platform you are consuming the show on. Also, if you know of anybody else who would get value out of this episode, make sure to share the episode with them. And you know that you can always find me, On my website, natnidham.com, that's how you can find out about all the amazing things. That's where all discount codes are, a bunch of blogs, stuff like that. And also link to BSP community, which is my private membership community on Mighty Networks. So before we get into the episode, I do want to talk to you about sleep. Because you know, you might be rolling your eyes going, Oh, Nat, you're always talking about sleep. But here's the thing we cannot talk about sleep enough because there's this one phase of sleep that virtually everyone fails to get enough of. And that would be deep sleep, which is responsible for most of your body's daily rejuvenation, repair, controlling hunger and weight loss hormones, boosting your energy, and so much more. And it's this never-ending battle, right? When we you don't get enough deep sleep, those are the days that you spend craving foods. Your metabolism's kind of slow, so you're not burning the food you are eating. And frankly, at the end of the day, it can even drive premature aging. So why are most people missing out on this crucial phase? Well, one of the major factors is actually magnesium deficiency. I mean, believe it or not, over 80% of the population is deficient in magnesium. But here's the thing. Magnesium is a king changer when it comes to sleep. It boosts GABA, which promotes relaxation on a cellular level, and that is a huge deal for a good night's rest. Now, before you rush off to buy any old magnesium supplement, you need to know that most of the products out there only have one or two forms of magnesium, but it turns out that your body needs all seven forms of this essential sleep mineral, which is why I recommend and personally use Magnesium Breakthrough. It contains all seven forms of magnesium designed to help calm your mind and help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and at the end of the day, that thing we're all after for, wake up feeling refreshed. The deep sleep benefits are truly noticeable. Just visit magbreakthrough.com forward slash bionat to, to place your order and make sure to use promo code Bionat10. Why? Well, number one, it's going to give you a discount. And number two, that BioOptimizers always has amazing gifts with purchase, which is also why I love shopping with them. Okay, let's talk a bit about this episode. If there is one thing that humanity has been striving for since its inception, it is the pursuit of longevity. There's some funny thing about humans, we just really don't ever want to die. So funny thing how that works. Today, I'm with Chris Mirabile, founder and CEO of Labs, Novoslabs, who brings us one step closer to cracking the code of aging and longevity and offers fascinating insight into the intersection of health, performance, and longevity. This is Chris's second time on the podcast. He's... Pretty interesting guy, and he's always got great stuff to share with us. We discuss how short-term health strategies may not always contribute positively to longevity. We talk about the nine hallmarks of aging that Novos Labs aims to address. And these include, big words coming, big word alert, loss of proteostasis, DNA damage, attrition of telomeres, mitochondrial dysfunction, cellular senescence, altered cellular communication, and on and on. Chris's interest in health began when he was actually 12, which is pretty interesting, right? He must be an old soul. If at the old age the ripe old age of 12, he started talking about health. Um, and it evolved into a passion after he was cured of a brain tumor when he was only 16. Chris's research and integrated longevity practices and interventions into his life for more than 10 years. He's achieved a biological age 13.6 years younger than his chronological age. So as we continue to dive deeper into the realm of aging and anti-aging strategies, we bring ourselves one step closer to a future where longevity is not just a dream, but a reality. And for Novoslabs, he's assembled a dream team of scientific and medical advisors. You've got to check out their website. So to check out the website and to check out their incredible drink, the their longevity drink, go to NovosLabs.com. And you can use code NAT5 to save on that drink. And you've got to check out the ingredients, you guys. Look at the uh, the box. All of the big heavy hitters that we talk about are in that powder. And if you were to take that powder in capsules, I think you'd be looking at, you know, at least a dozen, if not 20 capsules. So check it out. All right. Before we jump into the the episode, there's one more thing I want to talk to you about, of course, and that is... Element, which is an electrolyte drink that I came across this year and I'm absolutely obsessed with. I dump a single packet into my one and a half water liter water bottle and I sip on it throughout the day. And this does a couple of things for me. Number one, it helps me to drink more water because it tastes so great, but it also ensures my electrolyte levels are always balanced. And why is that important? Because that's how your body regulates fluid balance, which ultimately helps with digestion, circulation temperature regulation. It also helps your body to maintain its pH balance without drawing on minerals from other places where you need them. And it's also vital for enzyme activity, biochemical reactions, and to optimize nerve and muscle function. I mean, guys, talk about a list of benefits. This element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, because when it comes to Electrolytes. The devil is in the details. We're talking a thousand milligrams of sodium, two hundred milligrams of potassium, and sixty milligrams of magnesium. With none of the junk: no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers. In short, no BS. So right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets free with any Element order, which is a great way to try all eight flavors or to share your Element with a salty friend. All you have to do to get yours is go to drinklmnt.com forward slash nat. This deal is only available through my link. So you've got to go to drinklmnt.com forward slash nat. And one last thing before we go, Element offers no questions asked refunds. You get to try it totally risk free. If you don't like it, share what's left with a salty friend and they will give you your money back. No questions asked. All right, now let's jump into the episode. Hey, folks, just a quick reminder that all of the information presented in this podcast is for information purposes only. No medical advice, no diagnosing, no treatments suggested here. Before you try anything that you hear about or learn about here, make sure that you check with your medical provider. Chris, welcome back to the show. It is a true pleasure to have you back.
1: (laughs) Thank you. It's very nice to be back.
0: Yeah, I know. It's it's funny, you know, I think when we recorded our for, first podcast like you never really know with with companies if if this is going to be a lasting relationship or if it's just like a flash in the pan, but you know, having an eye on on you guys and the work that you do and the evolution of your company it was kind of one of those things where I was like I think we need to talk again. Like there's a lot going on in this place. So <laughs> so I'm really happy we were able to make time for this.
1: Definitely. Yeah. There's been a lot of progress even in the industry with new research papers released in just, you know, the six months or so since, since we spoke. So uh, happy, happy to catch up with you.
0: For sure. Well, you know, there's definitely, I mean, there seems to be this snowball momentum around the whole, well, I mean, there's always been interest in longevity, you know, for as long as humanity has been around, people don't (laughs) want to die, but certainly with the progress that's been made, it, it seems like there's this acceleration of progress that's happening right now in this space. And the idea of healthspan over lifespan um, and wanting both really is what we all want. But also whether it's technology or supplements or the way that we measure how we're doing, all of these things are just, just seem to be exploding in the space.
1: They definitely are. Uh, And with that come the good and the bad, right? So there's a lot of great people who are entering the field, brilliant minds who are entering the field. And then you've also got a lot of people who are just trying to take advantage of the opportunity and will label practically anything as longevity, right? Anything that's good for your health is longevity. And Well, that's not actually the case. And uh, I I recently wrote a blog post on my personal blog trying to distinguish between short-term health, performance health, and longevity. Mm -hmm. And there's a Venn diagram how there's overlap for each of those with each other, but there are some things that are good for short-term health that are not good for your longevity. There are things that are good for your longevity, uh, sorry, things that are good for your performance, that are not good for your longevity. And then there are things that are good for your longevity that are not necessarily good for your performance or your short-term health. And so the question is, what is actually the best for all of those? What is good for your longevity, short-term health, and actually has you performing well as as well?
0: All right. You've totally piqued my interest (laughs) here. So tell me, (laughs) What is good for my short-term health? That is not good for longevity. I mean, that's a really interesting concept, right? I mean, certainly on the performance side, I get it. Somebody wants to be a marathon runner. Guess what? You can be a great marathon runner. If you think that's going to get you to be over centenarian, most likely not. Right. But talk to me about these short-term health strategies that are not congruent with longevity necessarily.
1: Sure. Um, i can give you a very specific example um proton pump inhibitors right mm-hmm. so this is for acid reflux very commonly prescribed and now even available over the counter how many people do you know who don't have the healthiest diet let's say and oh, they yeah. are prescribed or they're taking over the counter ppis yeah now PPIs have a long list of side effects, and they're also intended to only be taken in the short term, for a short period of time. How many doctors have told their patients to only take this for a few weeks or a few months and then get off of it, improve your diet, improve your micronutrient intake? Because part of the reason you need the PPI and you have acid reflux in the first place is potentially caused by nutrient deficiencies not to mention the ppi itself restricts the or or reduces the absorption of these same critical nutrients so you're taking this to avoid the symptoms but meanwhile you're exacerbating the root cause problems in the first place and then over time you end up in a worse health uh, condition right so that's an example of something that uh, the medical establishments and uh, doctors would say this is good for your health, and it's really a short-term outlook, mm-hmm. uh, but not the long-term longevity perspective on on essentially fixing the problem or preventative medicine.
0: Right. Okay. Well, that makes more sense to me. Yeah, definitely PPIs. I mean, when you say short-term health, I almost I almost feel like you mean – like it's a, it's a it's a strategy to feel better in the short term. That ultimate it's it's a if it's used as a band aid, and I you know I think we all know people who live off PPIs. I mean they, I I have friends who have beds that you know come up keep their heads up at night mm-hmm. so that they don't get the acid reflux so that. You know, in their mind, they want to have their drinks and their wine and the food and the and the whole thing. They they kind of to them, that's that's what they need, you know, and not to be judgy at all, but right. but and so they've been offered kind of this lifeline by their doctor that says, Oh, and we're gonna give you this medication that's gonna make the symptoms go away, and you get to have your cake and eat it too, rock and roll. And so, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I mean, I think the data on long-term PPI use is horrible in terms of cardiovascular disease risk, bone density risk, loss of bone density. All of these things are really, you know, they're they're coming down the pipes. And I don't think anybody exactly. can argue gastric that,
1: cancer, kidney disease, pneumonia, infections. Yeah, yeah. Yep. not
0: good for longevity. Not so
1: much. Not good for longevity, and and so the same example would apply to things like overuse of antibiotics or sure. or um, high UV exposure, right? Not low UV, but high. Where higher UV is 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 associated with like, you know, uh, better mood. Uh, you 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 feel better. Uh, better nitric oxide production, uh, more vitamin D production, and so on. You look good in the mirror. Error, right? Like these short term, like health outcomes that you get from it, but then you're increasing the chances for melanoma. If, of course, if you overdo it, if you underdo it as well, if you don't get enough sun exposure, mm-hmm. that can also increase the risk of different forms of melanoma. So the sweet spot is getting a modest, a moderate amount of, of sun exposure. But yeah. it's the idea of, of essentially like reactive medicine, which is what our medical establishments really has become. It's like, let's react to a problem when it occurs. Let's put the band-aid on it. Let's only think about the short term rather than the long term of what might actually go wrong so we can prevent it mm-hmm. or the long term of, well, if this is the therapy we're using to remedy this problem, what might come as a result of this therapy in the long term? So right. just setting your horizon much further out into the future.
0: Great. Yeah. No, I love that. And obviously on the performance side, like we just said, you know, building that body for uber- you know, for sports, let's say physical performance that is super physiological, it's a, for the most part, it tends to be a situation of burning the candle at both ends. And so
1: that's exactly how I put it. And, and but it's not only that. All right. So we've got like the ultra marathons, we've got the anabolic steroids, but what about Adderall,
0: right? Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Brain performance. We prescribe this to our children. There are more and more adults who are taking Adderall. Adderall has cardiovascular risks, right? And those are the most well documented risks. But when, when you talk to people and you look at online message boards and so on, there's also high, high levels of like depression after coming off of it because the neurotransmitters were in like overdrive, the dopamine and the norepinephrine uh, and so on. And then all of a sudden it falls off of a cliff. And your, your neuro, your, your, your receptors in your brain have down regulated because there is such an oversupply of the neurotransmitters that when those neurotransmitters are now back to normal levels, it takes time for those receptor sites to, to increase in sensitivity and in number. And so neurologically people are in a weird place too, when they come off of it. So, um, I would say that's another example of, of a short term, like performance focused goal that people equate with health. That's an important factor mm-hmm. to, to mention. Mm-hmm. And, and what I highlight in the article is that we can look at a superstar athlete or somebody who's like, like you know, day trading all day and making millions of dollars and uh, is hyper focused. And then they go out and party that night. And it's like, wow, these people are so healthy. They're living the life when they're actually and i I show in a chart like the trajectory of their lifespan their 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 biological i don't know capacities might be above average for some period but then there's a sharp decline when Mm -hmm. you neglect your health um, and you're more likely uh, statistically speaking to probably end up in a negative health outcome in a a, a shorter lifespan than somebody who took it easy and was was thinking long term and and doing everything that we'll, I'm sure, at some point talk about during this conversation related to longevity, improving, improving your long term health.
0: Yeah, no, that's so interesting. You know, I'm smiling because, uh, you know, it's so funny how it always comes back to like little kids stories. You know, we're absolutely talking about the tortoise and the hare here. I mean, yes I mean, this is not a biohacking analogy but ultimately this is like uh, it's it's a little bit of slow and steady wins the race and it doesn't mean the hare doesn't get away from the fox and live to fight another day necessarily but you know you 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 lean into those strategies a little too much with no attention to the other stuff and um And I mean, these are choices. And I think the unfortunate thing is that many people don't realize the choices that they're making and the trade-offs they're making when they're making these decisions, right? right? Um, I think it's one thing to know, you know, I'm doing this and therefore the outcome is going to be something else down the road. Um, There are very few people who are knowingly making those decisions um, because they're just not given that information necessarily
1: right that's completely true and and i would actually you know critique the longevity space that i find myself in in the same sense that you can take that too far as well where for example you can do severe caloric restriction or yeah. extremely long prolonged fasts right and now that is interfering with perhaps your short term health and your performance yeah. like if you are on a severely calorically restricted diet like beyond 25% below your your uh metabolic requirements uh which some people do in fact some people who have been in the press a lot lately are are likely doing that um you're you're going to sacrifice your performance, your physical performance, your psychological performance, and so on, um, higher rates of depression. There there was a study done in, I believe it was 1955, by the military, by Ansel Keys, that uh, was a starvation study. I believe it was the Minnesota Starvation Study, mm. where uh, the men were given about 1,650 calories per day. Um, and, uh, which was about half of what they had been consuming before, but that's not too far off from what a lot of people when they're dieting are actually consuming. Right. Um, and they did this for a number of months and, um, beyond just like depression and social isolation and so on, uh, one person went as far as like amputating his finger. Um, oh it's just, God. yeah, it was extreme psychological effects that came from going too far. Are with caloric restriction. And there, there is, you know, most people who are calorically restricting aren't taking it that far, but no. they're not necessarily um, doing what's best for their psychological performance, their physical performance, and their short to midterm health, right? So there's a balance to it. And you. my point is simply that you can take it too far, with yeah. the fasting, with the caloric restriction, especially if you're not considering your body fat levels and many other factors that come into play when de- determining whether this is actually going to be helpful for your longevity versus detrimental uh, yeah. for your short term health.
0: Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting on the caloric restriction side. I mean, you're talking about people in the media, and I don't know if you're talking about people that are using certain agents to help them to eat a lot less, like the GLP 1 agonists.
1: That as well. Yep.
0: I think that you know i think what what the the problem that's really highlighted there is the lack of attention to what they're eating and it's interesting i think that when you overeat i mean look there's definitely a huge population of people that are undernourished and overfed that's your classic obese right. person who's wearing who's eating a very terrible diet but it when i'm working with people who are mindfully restricting their calories whether it's with a GLP1 agonist or which makes it a lot easier honestly and you're less miserable that way um the 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 big focus to me has to be on nutrient density at that point because oh, yeah. every bite of food you put in your mouth has got to be payload for your body and, and- definitely you know, and this is where people are losing they're they're missing the boat right they're they're able to reduce their their body mass, but they end up completely deficient in a million different ways um so to your point, yeah you you know you you end up thinner, which theoretically should allow you to live longer, but if you're deficient in a million different things, not gonna pay off right
1: right. And you know, when it comes to being thinner, uh, you know this won't be applicable to most people in the audience. But there is a J-shaped curve to mortality and 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 body fat percentage. So if you are going too low on the body fat percentage, you have a higher chance of mortality Mm -hmm. than someone who's at like the moderate low level. So I'll throw some numbers out there. Like if you're four, five, six percent body fat you're probably in a worse place than someone who is seven, eight, nine, 10% body fat. And then when you're going, and I'm, I'm speaking about male body fat percentages for, for females, yeah. you would have to, um, I don't know the that exact would numbers, yeah. but it would be higher, but it's the same concept. If you go too low for women as well, it's a J-shaped curve. So sure. um, yeah, you want to be careful about that. Like thinner is not always better. Uh, there, are, there are limits to that.
0: For sure. And there, I mean, look, there's a function to fat. Right, I mean, it's yeah, of course, it can be inflammatory, this that, but when you have a very elderly person who's way too lean, the first the first bump they hit in the road, they just don't have necessarily the reserves or the resilience to fight through whatever it is, or they may not have the reserves, so anyway, so we're getting into a little bit of the weeds on that stuff let's let's back it up a little bit and start talking about. I mean, look, in our first episode together, I would invite people to check out that episode because you talk about your story and what really got you interested. And you have a fascinating story. I don't know if you want to give like a little two minute snapshot of that, but then, you know, kind of speed through that piece and and talk to us a little bit about how you got into this world where you're kind of the front guy. And I mean, you're obviously very um, involved in the company, but you're the front man for this big team of scientists who are sitting there cracking this Rubik's cube of longevity. Right. And so. Right.
1: Sure. (laughs) Happy to, happy to. So I'll, I'll I'll keep this quick. So yes, my, my interest in health started when I was 12 years old reading uh, health magazines and exercising and eating uh, a healthy diet or, or what I thought was healthy at the time. And uh, fast forward to when I was 16 years old, I was suddenly stopped in my tracks when I was diagnosed with a brain tumor after having had a um, a seizure. And that um, it changed my perspective on life, um, what I wanted out of my life. It also, you know, laying in bed, contemplating mortality. Uh, I never wanted to be put in that spot again until the end of my life, which would hopefully be... Very, very far out into the future, sure. and so um, that planted the seed that uh, it essentially evolved my interest in health from being this more aesthetic focused and and sport athletic performance focused side of health to one that was more biological driven of trying to avoid disease and uh, to make sure that I'm 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 healthy, and so I. At the time, longevity wasn't really an industry. There was Mm -hmm. nothing that I was aware of. I mean, there's gerontology, but that's very different. And so um, it took a while. I was always personally... Uh, reading and researching about health and experimenting with different diets and exercise routines and lifestyles and so on. But it wasn't until I was about 30 years old, so almost 10 years ago, that I came across the nine hallmarks of aging paper in the journal Cell. Uh, I came across Aubrey de Grey's work at the Sens Research Institute and uh, began networking with scientists in the field as well to better understand the field, ask them questions, Um, and to explore different possibilities, which then leads us to what Novos is. So while doing that, I was constantly asking the question, well, what can I do today to improve my longevity beyond the obvious of eating healthy and exercise and getting good sleep? Like the things everyone's told and I was already doing in my lifestyle. Uh, What about different molecules that can impact these hallmarks of aging, or different biological pathways that impact these hallmarks of aging, like mTOR and AMP kinase and, um, and FOXO and so on and so forth. And uh, there was nothing. there. Everything that was being done in the space was on the biotech side, the, pharma, the pharmaceutical side, or purely academic. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I started researching different natural ingredients that wouldn't require FDA approval that were found to impact these different hallmarks. And I then asked the scientists who were authorities on these hallmarks or bio pathways or ingredients, what their thoughts were about them in relation to longevity and i was surprised to see how optimistic they were about these ingredients that they actually could have a sizable impact on on health span and lifespan and so that was enough for me that was the aha moment of validation from the authorities in the space that there was something to this and that nobody in the space there were other companies billing themselves as longevity companies but doing very very simplistic um, underwhelming formulations. And so that's when I said, I want to create something that would be the very first product ever to address all of the hallmarks of aging simultaneously, because the perspective was, uh, an analogy. If you have an old car that's broken down what good is it to simply repair the tires and fill them with air if you're also not repairing the axle and the rust and the putting a new muffler on and getting the engine lubed up again? You're not really going to get very far with that, right? But if you're addressing all of that and you recondition the car, well, the car is still a car from, let's just say, 1980. It's not a, a car from 2022 or 2023. It's a 1980 car, but it can run like new, right? It, it can Absolutely. still be in really good condition. Yeah. And so that's essentially what the goal was, to get this older vehicle, if you will, of of a human body to perform as optimized as possible for for the, the model year that it happens to be.
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, okay, so interesting that you bring up the hallmarks of aging, because I think... That is a perfect segue into so the the original formula was designed to address the nine hallmarks of aging. I don't know if you want to flip through them quickly now, Um, but we've now and, you know, we can we can just uh, talk to them, speak to them a, a little bit. And, you know, I think it's it's so. I think it's so, one of the reasons I love your formula and one of the reasons I recommend it to so many of my clients is I'm like, you know, if you were going to take all of these things, you'd have a, like a pile of bottles on your counter. I mean, you would be counting out right. a lot of supplements. And, you know, the fact that you were able to to create like synergy among all these different ingredients and mix it into a powder that actually tastes good. <laughs> is is nothing short of miraculous if you ask me but you know it's
1: thank you and it would cost you more too we did an analysis it's on our sure. blog if you search for amazon on our blog you'll see if you bought all of these pills on amazon not only would it be a pain to go through all of the bottles and then like divide the like crack some pills in half and then take double or triple of others uh, it would cost you, I believe it was something like a hundred percent more or eighty percent more. It's significantly more than if you do like the 12 month subscription to to yeah, Novos. For sure. That is.
0: So so the so the original nine hallmarks of aging, we've got um loss of proteostasis, which is the folding, misfolding of proteins. And if proteins don't fold properly, they don't fit into receptors properly, signaling starts to go sideways, bad things start to happen. We've got DNA damage. Um, which you talked Mm -hmm. about earlier, like strand damage, DNA that can't um, repair. We've got attrition of telomeres, which I think we're going to talk about telomeres again a little later. Um, That's three. Cellular signaling is four. Um, God, there's so many. (laughs) (laughs) Do
1: do you want me to help? (laughs) Yeah,
0: you go. Jump in. Feel free. Rescue me. Okay.
1: So, (laughs) Sure, mitochondrial uh, dysfunction. dysfunction. So the power plants of the cells. They they're fewer of them, and and those that are still around are just not as productive and efficient as as they once were. Cellular senescence when mm-hmm. cells become like a, and uh, they. Uh, cause nearby cells to also uh, take on this zombie-like state and that becomes an exponential growth curve as you get older. Yeah, Loss of proteostasis you mentioned where um, not only is it the misfolding, but it it accumulates inside and outside of the cells. So it's almost like garbage piling up in your Mm -hmm. house and outside of your house. You can't get into your house anymore. And even if you did, you can't access the features of your house, your kitchen and your living room. You can't access them. And it's the same with with cells uh, altered cellular uh communication so cells are supposed to communicate with each other and and um be, largely because of the loss of proteostasis and other reasons as well they can't communicate with each other well anymore and so they don't function the way that they're supposed to to different stimuli yeah
0: um nutrient signaling
1: genomic yeah um uh, Yep, yep. Yep. Uh, Yeah. So, so, dysregulated, deregulated uh, nutrient signaling or nutrient sensing, which is very much your, your uh, metabolism and uh, the ability to, to detect different nutrient signals, like, for example, the existence of glucose or um, triglycerides or insulin and so on. So, you're just less metabolically fit as you get older. epigenetic alterations. So your epigenome um, is it's certain certain genes that are supposed to be turned off, turn on, and certain genes that are supposed to be turned on, turn off as you get older. And there are patterns to that, which yeah. relates to biological age clocks, which is mm-hmm. a relevant topic in, in this space. Then there's um, telomere shortening you mentioned, but that's basically the telomeres are the end caps of the chromosomes and they get Uh, They protect the DNA and they get shorter with each cell division. And when they get too short, then your risk of different diseases, especially digestive tract cancers goes up significantly. Um, Stem cell exhaustion. I believe this is the last one. I think that's that's nine. Um, That is, you know, stem cells are what essentially create copies of our cells for us. As we get older, we have fewer stem cells, a lot die off, and those that exist are not as functional. They might not make perfect replicas of cells anymore. So we want to make sure that we keep them healthy and we don't lose them uh, so that we can make sure our tissues are being replenished and maintained.
0: Yeah. Nice. Nicely done. And now-
1: Thank you. <laughs> three now, new ones.
0: Three new ones, which, you know, how cool is, and, and you know, the three new ones, so it's one of them is inflammation, which, of course, anybody who's paid any attention to health at all over the last number of years have has heard the term inflammaging, right? About how inflammation is fundamentally linked to every, it's at the root of virtually every chronic disease or every disease of right. aging that we can think of, and pretty much anything, right?
1: Right, um, right, exactly. Yeah. So, so inflammaging differs from inflammation.
0: Right. Inflammation uh, is
1: the actual like, inflama- yeah. yeah. And technically like FDA regulations, I don't think we're allowed to talk about inflammation because that's a medical condition, but inflammaging we can. It's distinct enough where so inflammaging is what happens as you get older and it is a chronic low grade inflammation. Mm -hmm. And that increases over time in severity as you get older and older. Whereas inflammation can be caused from some acute stressor. It could be you cut your your leg open and now you have local uh, acute inflammation, or it can be something like you're eating a very unhealthy, obesogenic diet, and now you have chronic inflammation, but that's not aging related per se. That is diet-induced inflammation. And so that would be different than
0: Except that inflammation is driving inflammation. but yes, yes, yeah. yes, they're related. <laughs> We're they're playing hand with hand, words, yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and the nuances the, of. It. I mean, well, you know, it's, words are important. We'll, we'll, and whatever the FDA allows us to talk about, we'll, we'll go there. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, and then, there's two more. And I feel yes, like there's is. mitophagy has something to do with it.
1: Autophagy, yes,
0: autophagy, right?
1: Yes, yes. So autophagy is is basically the cleanup, right? So when when we talked before about loss of proteostasis um, and basically the proteins that can live outside of and inside of the cells, um, as well as cells themselves that might start to degrade or lose their function or eventually die, uh, you need autophagy to be able to clean that up and Mm -hmm. it starts to fall apart. So, as you can see, like there's there's this interconnectedness of yeah. all of the these different hallmarks of aging. They all relate to each other and and cause each other to to fall apart, essentially. And you know that that's part of the reason and rationale for, as I mentioned before, to try to address all hallmarks simultaneously it's that if you address only one, what is the chance that that is going to then fix everything else? Even those who subscribe to the information theory of aging, which is essentially that the epigenome is like the most powerful of all of these hallmarks. Um, even those, most of the proponents accept that you can only get so far with that. Uh, and if you reprogram the epigenome, there's a number of other things like physical damage to the cells and so on that you would need to account for. So all of these things would most likely still need to be addressed, even if there was one that was more powerful than the others.
0: For sure. So autophagy, inflammation, what's the third new one? Do you remember? I don't know why.
1: Microbiome dysfunction. Yes.
0: I love that they included that, right? Like the my finally somebody clues in. I mean, the microbiome. I mean, if there's nothing we haven't learned right now so far, it's that that population of bugs in our and it's not just our gut. It's like all over the body has everything to do with how healthy or not healthy we we are.
1: Yes, 100%. And uh, I think at the time that this episode is released, we will have released a series on microbiome health and longevity on our blog. So oh, make sure if you want to dig in on that, uh, to check that out, written by a PhD microbiologist who is uh, an authority on on longevity and in the microbiome.
0: Okay, that's amazing. Okay, so now let's, let's... You know, let's just talk about, like, you didn't have to run around and reformulate your formula. So how cool is it that this formula was so well-designed? And to your point, you know, all of these things are interconnected. So to a degree, a well-designed formula in some ways would naturally touch on all of them. But do you want to speak a little bit to some of the finer points of how the formula really kind of hits some of these other hallmarks?
1: Sure. And, and what I would also say is that although we were focused primarily on the nine hallmarks, when we were designing the formula, we were also considering these other, other potential hallmarks of aging. So inflammation, um, Mm -hmm. in the form of inflammation and autophagy and, um, Uh, even cross-linking, which we consider as another hallmark of aging on our website. So cross-linking, linking linking being when sugar um, creates these bonds between proteins typically, not always, but typically, uh, and then it it stiffens the tissue. So that's one of the reasons we get skin wrinkling. It's one of the reasons our blood vessels uh, get stiffer. And mm-hmm. uh, so we were considering these things when we were formulating as well as like secondary goals to also be addressing. So it's not a coincidence that we address them. Uh, yeah. And so um, the one that we weren't focused on admittedly was the microbiome, but mm-hmm. fortunately we are positively impacting it. So uh, I have a list here, actually, I, I uh, prior to the call, I just put together a, a quick list on uh, we, we're digging into all of the research and putting together I don't know if you've seen this on our website, but if you go to, you hover over the science menu and you click on evidence, we have more than 190 studies in animals and humans for all of our ingredients and which hallmarks of aging they impact. And these are lifespan related or health related studies. Mm -hmm. And so we're working on adding these hallmarks as well to that table. That's amazing. so that's a work in progress. By the time this episode's out, we will have it on the website. Uh, but in the meantime, I I you know took some of that research and put together the list. And so um inflammaging, for example, ingredients in Novos that impact inflamm inflammaging are glycine, physotin, wow. terastilbean, ginger, magnesium, alpha ketoglutarate, rhodiola, and even lithium. So that's eight out of the 12 ingredients. And then in Novo's Boost is NMN. And NMN also has some positive impacts on inflammation. For autophagy, it's a, it's a shorter list, but still plenty. Uh, lithium, uh, glucosamine, acetyl glucosamine, which is found in the hyaluronic acid in our formula. So we included hyaluronic acid. A lot of people think it was because we wanted the skin health benefits. And yes, that was on our minds. But the real reason for hyaluronic acid to be included was specifically for acetylglucosamine. Hmm. Um, and that's that's for uh, via the unfolded uh, protein response is how it relates to autophagy specifically. Then fisetin also has a favorable impact on autophagy. Terastilbene. And then finally, glycine can act as a chaperone. So it's not specifically autophagy, but uh, by acting as a chaperone, it can protect proteins from damage, which by protecting the proteins from damage reduces the need for the autophagy in the first place.
0: Yeah, glycine is so, so the- interesting, right? It's, I mean, it a lot of people will take glycine at night to help them sleep, not realizing that it has all these other incredible anti-aging benefit or healthy aging, whatever we want to call it, um, benefits. I'm not a huge fan of the whole anti-aging thing. I think we're going to age no matter (laughs) what it's
1: (laughs) right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that there is, um, to your point about sleep, that we have these glycine receptors in our brains that are similar to GABA receptors and GABA being a calming neurotransmitter. Glycine can have similar types of effects on our brains and calm us down. It can, it can also help to produce serotonin. Um, so, you know, overall glycine is, is great for sleep and, and many people report taking Novost. they, They, they sleep better not only because of the glycine, but also the magnesium, the L-theanine, uh, the rhodiola if they're overly stressed, yeah. um, and the lithium as well. But, um, yeah, glycine glycine is a really powerful amino acid.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. Okay, now tell me about the microbiome because, you know, most sure. people, micro, you tell the microbiome, they're going to say, oh, you need a probiotic, or if they've really been doing their homework, well, you must need a prebiotic, Um but tell me about Novos and the microbiome. Because, like you said, I mean, the microbiome was the one. I mean, now that, that it, they say it, everybody's like, well, duh. Of course, the microbiome is going to be key to, to how we age. But, um,
1: right. tell sure, us- sure. So, so, the, uh, ginger is an ingredient um, that favorably impacts uh, the microbiome, rhodiola as well. Uh, bean has been studied in mice and Mm -hmm. for colon health, um, obese rats, um, it's improved uh, 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 colon health um, in those cases. It's also reduced uh, LPS, lipopolysaccharides from exercise induced damage.
0: So Mm -hmm. a lot of
1: people don't realize this, but as healthy as exercise is, and everyone should do it, after you exercise, your your gut lining is is more permeable for some time afterwards, and part mm-hmm. of the reason is because of production of lipopolysaccharides. And so, terestilbean has been uh, found to, um, in animal studies, reduce the damage of the of the um, the gut lining from exercise. physetin, uh, it regulates the microbiota. And it exerts neuroprotective effects on a mouse model of Parkinson's via the microbiome, and hmm. probably other uh, mechanisms as well. And then finally, lithium, which alleviates uh, colon inflammation.
0: Interesting. Okay, so so we're we're addressing the health really of the colon. Um, not that people still couldn't probably use that good pre-probiotic formula, but definitely your 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 you're addressing the environment of the gut so let's let's talk a little bit about fisetin because that's an interesting compound there's you know it's definitely it's considered a senolytic um and there are a lot of different theories about how we should be leaning into senolytics out there and we were talking about this a little bit before the podcast and definitely there's people who would say oh you know i think for something like fisetin that's a senolytic and the thing is people almost have a very reductionist view about they tend to have a reductionist view about these ingredients forgetting how pleiotropic they are right how many different things you you like you've mentioned fisetin like three or four times already and always for something different, mm-hmm. but one of the things that fisetins really talked about is when it comes to being to addressing cellular senescence. And so, you know, when we're when we're addressing cellular senescence, it's it's a lot of like like a lot of the other things you've talked about today. You want to hit the sweet spot. You don't want to do too much. You don't want to do too little. You kind of want to hit that sweet spot. So. You know, what would you say to someone who looks at this list of ingredients and says, oh, wow, I mean, there's physics in there every single day. Should I be doing that? I read that I should only be doing a synolytic thing once a week or once a month or whatever the case may be. So what's your what's your point of view on that? Because I'm sure you guys have one. (laughs)
1: Yes. Yes, we do. Uh, so senescent cells are more complicated than I think most people on the internet make them out to be. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: senescent cells, um, although overall have a net negative effect in some contexts, they can actually have a positive effect. Yep. Uh, Dr. Judith Campisi at the Buck Institute. Um, I remember a few years ago, she highlighted this at, at a, um, undoing aging conference that really intrigued me. And then I dug in to, to some of the research on that. Um, for example, in mice, senescent cells have, um, shown the capacity to limit fibrosis and to promote proper, uh, wound healing. Um, Hmm. and so, um, also there's another study that found that by killing senescent beta cells in the pancreas, that it could lead to diabetes. So, uh, Although overall, uh, many, and I would say most senescent cells um, should probably be addressed and removed, there's also risk of removing the wrong ones. There's a second risk, which is that senolytics are not perfectly targeted as we would like to think they are and as ideally they would be. They can also cause damage to nearby healthy, healthy cells. Um, and that can include potentially stem cells. Uh, there's toxicity associated with high-dose senolytics. And so for those two reasons, we have a more nuanced perspective on cellular senescence, which is overall as a company, we first want to do no harm. Mm-hmm. And so we, our users, our customers, they're not mice. We're not yeah. experimenting on you, right? We want to... Go with what is the safest way to be able to extend health span and lifespan, not the most aggressive or most experimental way that a small subset of the longevity population wants to experiment with on their own. There are many um, that I I know personally who have experimented with like the dasatinib quercetin mm-hmm. combination, which is essentially chemotherapy yeah. plus the natural molecule quercetin. And I would never personally do that myself. Not at this yeah, stage. Uh, I Right. And so we have a similar philosophy for the Novoscore formula. We want it to be very safe. And so then the question is, well, what about taking physotin every day? Well, we've intentionally dosed it uh, at a sweet spot to have a lot of the neurological benefits and all of these hallmarks of aging benefits, but not too high where it might cause you know damage or toxicity. Uh, and ultimately, the question is then: well, what are the results? Like, what does Novo's core actually do when it comes to cellular senescence? Yeah, and we ran a study um, at the University of Newcastle where they uh, it was human cells, uh, I believe they were fibroblasts, and we looked at uh, senescent cells and the impact that core can have on those senescent cells. We also compared ourselves to the gold standard longevity drug rapamycin. Mm-hmm. And our results were almost the same as rapamycin, which was essentially that we exhibit not a senolytic effect on the senescent cells, but a senostatic effect. So a senostatic effect essentially means that we prevent the senescent cells from growing and spreading, um, but we're not Destroying the senescent cells. What we've also found was that we reduce the size of the senescent cells by about 50%. So the footprint that they're taking in our bodies and in our organs and tissues is significantly smaller, just like rapamycin. And in our estimation, this is the safest way to do things. So we are stopping the spread, so to speak, while simultaneously uh, reducing to near zero the risk of the toxicities of higher dose. Um Senolytics, and we're not running the risk that we accidentally destroy senescent cells that might actually be performing some sort of function like in the pancreas or in wound healing or in other contexts that we have yet to learn about right so that's where we stand on on uh, senes- cellular senescence and senolytics and that can change right we're not rigid mm-hmm. in this when more research comes out and we learn more about senescent cells and molecules that can target them maybe there is a use case for a very targeted senolytic for specific tissues that we know only has favorable outcomes or or predominantly favorable outcomes. But at this point, we don't think research is far enough along for us to feel comfortable with that.
0: Hey guys, just a quick break to talk to you about this product called Mitopure from Timeline Nutrition. Mitopure is the first product to offer a precise dose of urolithin A to support mitophagy and increase cellular energy. Awesome, Nat. Why is this important? Well. Your mitochondria become damaged and dysfunctional over time, leading to the production of harmful byproducts and the disruption of normal cellular function. Mitophagy helps maintaining healthy mitochondria by eliminating these damaged ones, allowing for the proper functioning of cells and overall cellular health. Optimizing your cellular health, of course, is crucial for maintaining healthy tissues, organs, and systems in our body. And recent research has shown that, that healthy mitochondria and urolithin A specifically helps to contribute to better functioning of the heart, the brain, the immune system, as well as sports performance. Now, this is where MitoPure from Timeline Nutrition comes in. They have three different ways to get your daily dose of 500 milligrams of urolithin a. There's a delicious vanilla protein powder that combines muscle building protein with the cellular energy of MitoPure. There's a berry or ginger powder that easily mixes into smoothies or just about any drink. And finally, there's soft gels for for travel. I actually love all three of these. I use them at different times. Personally, I would recommend that you try the starter pack that lets you try all three forms of mitopure so you can pick your favorite. Timeline is offering 10% off your first order of MitoPure. All you have to do to get it is go to TimelineNutrition.com forward slash NAT10 and use code NAT10 to get 10% off your order. That's TimelineNutrition.com slash NAT10. And now let's get right back into that episode. There's definitely some interesting nutraceuticals and formulas out there right now that are not the nibs. they're... You know, there's a, there's one out that, you know, they would recommend using once a week or another one that might be recommended once a month. And I wonder if for an older population, there might be a place for that, even just for a limited period of time. Like, I don't know that it would be a long-term use, but you know, maybe this will segue into our next topic, which is testing biological age, right? How fast are you aging at a cellular level? And um, and I know that you know, and I should have seen it coming from you guys. That you know, this is your next kind of frontier: is can we quantify the effect that Novos is having on people's pace of aging? And um, so, anyway, but to go back to what I was just saying, like maybe in someone who is exhibiting accelerated signs of aging, there might be a use case scenario for slightly more aggressive. Um, use of these senolytic, even nutraceutical formulas for a period of time to help them to make up for lost ground. Again, we don't really have yeah, the there, answer, but-
1: Right. There, I, I, I would I would accept that hypothesis, right? I mean, it, it, it's a reasonable one. And uh, especially for someone who's older, who has a lot of senescent cells, the net positive uh, has a significantly higher chance of outweighing the net negative compared mm-hmm. to somebody who's significantly younger, like, like myself, where the number the senescent burden that I have yeah. is significantly lower than an 80 year old. Right. Yeah. So uh, to your point, it's, it's up to the individual and their circumstances and their risk tolerance as well. But, you know, we don't want to make assumptions about our customers and take on that risk for them. We want to, again, first do no harm, be safe, and have favorable effects on senescent cells, uh, for, for, for favorable to, to your health. That is not favorable to the senescent cells. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. we, we want, we, we wanna don't want to do coddle that.
0: the senescent cells either. No,
1: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and no, actually no, no, this brings
0: up a, an interesting question when, and before we get into the biological age testing, which I think is going to be, you know, our, our, our next topic, um, and bring us home kind of thing. how, how, Young, would you say someone might want to start using something like a formula like novos, for example?
1: Like Great it's, question. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so when when do we really start aging? Some would argue you aging when you're in the womb, but um if, if we want to be <laughs> like, in it, you practical see the light of day. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. If, if you want to be more practical about it, most would say that you start aging at puberty because that's when your risk of death goes up significantly. And basically, once every six every six to seven years, your risk of mortality doubles. And so, when your risk of mortality is extremely low as a as a twelve year old. Doubling at 19 years old is really not that much, right? It's still very, very low. Uh, But when you start getting in your 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, doubling is now starting to catch up to you. And that's why you start seeing death rates go up significantly in those decades. Yeah. So to your question, what I would say is that technically speaking, I'm not recommending this to, to teenagers, but you could probably start as early as teens, Uh, But where I would actually start um, is more likely in the late 20s, let's say, um, to early 30s. That's probably the sweet spot because that's when uh, it starts to catch up where the chances of getting one chronic illness starts to go up significantly starting late 20s, early 30s. It's still pretty low, but it's going up significantly. And so you're better off being prophylactic about it, getting ahead of things and starting before you have that illness rather than afterwards. And so yeah, I would say anywhere between 26, 27, 30, 30, 32 uh, would be the sweet spot for most people.
0: Nice. Um definitely, I mean, I remember when I was in school, and you know, I'm I'm this stat may even have changed since then, but a prof saying basically by the time you're 30, you've gone, you've gone over the hump in the sense that you're losing more than you're gaining. You're no longer repairing at the same rate that your body is i mean for lack of a better term breaking down and so you're now starting to lose ground and he had pegged it around 30 years old as that time when things start to you know it, and i i think to say that they're declining is a bit harsh but, but <laughs> you're, not, you're not holding your own quite as effectively so so let's move into measuring okay let's 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 get into yes. this whole space of and, you know, how great that you guys said, okay, this is great. You know, we, we've got this formula. We believe it's going to help people stay younger, longer, and the whole nine yards. And, all right, well, can we measure that? Is it possible to quantify what impact this formula is having on people? And the good news is we now have Novos age that helps us to do that. So maybe you <laughs> want to talk about it a little bit and and your case studies and and the research that you're doing around it.
1: Sure. Yes. So we want to put our uh, the our money where our mouths are, right? So uh, we we want to actually give people the equivalent of a scale for weight loss, the same thing for longevity, and to make sure that what they are doing, whether it be the lifestyle advice that we provide at Novoslabs.com on our blog, mm-hmm. or taking our products, or taking other companies' products we want to be able to track your performance. And so when we started this journey more than 18 months ago of trying to decide what we wanted to offer our customer, uh we looked at all of the tests out there, uh technically known as the multiome mm-hmm. and going beyond the multiome. Multiome includes uh your your genome, your epigenome, your transcriptome, your proteome, your metabolome, your microbiome yes. and so on. Um uh, and then even going beyond that, you've got your telomeres, you've got glycation clocks. I mean, there's so many different technologies out there that claim to or at least attempt to measure biological age. And then even within them, you've got different different clocks with, with different performance uh, mm-hmm. levels and accuracy levels and so on. So we eventually decided, um, and when I say we, uh, you you alluded to this earlier, but I have a team of amazing scientists from Harvard Medical School, MIT, Salk Institute, officially on our website as our scientific advisory board. There's six of them, but then we've also got... Um, more than a dozen other scientists that are not on our website that we still work with regularly for advice and insights and perspectives and um, writing articles, posts for us and so on. So, with all of that said, this collective um, gigantic brain, a set of brains, uh, we we analyzed all of the the uh, different options out there, and for uh, ultimately we decided epigenomics is the most advanced area right now. Others show promise, but are not nearly as far along. And then within epigenetics, you've got different tests. And there's a lot of confusion in the space because you hear about things like, you know, say, the Horvath test. Well, what does that really mean? Well, yes, Steve Horvath pretty much invented the space. He invented the epigenetic test. But his first test came out in, I believe it was 2011. And Mm -hmm. we've come a long way since then. And he's come a long way since then. So if you're saying... Well, how does this compare to the Horvath test or I would like to have the Horvath test? Well, you know, that that could be more than 10 years old, that test. And we've come a very long way since then. So um, to summarize, there are first generation tests, there are second generation tests, and there are third generation tests. Uh, the Horvath test, the original being the first generation, and those ones were focused on um, their endpoint was chronological age. So they were tuning their algorithm to predict how old you were chronologically. Mm-hmm. After that, scientists came to realize it's actually more important to try to figure out your mortality and disease risk, which was then termed your biological age. So how old are you biologically? And that's second generation test, things like the pheno age clock or the grim age clock, grim yeah. age literally being about your mortality risk, right? One of the most powerful clocks out there is the Grimage clock. I would say it's the number two clock out there. We don't offer it. Um, the number uh, then you have third generation clocks, and within the third generation clocks, are in our estimation, the number one is the Dunedin Pace clock. This is um, the most accurate. It has the most reliable retest accuracy. Um, It is the most sensitive to change from lifestyle interventions, and it's actually giving you an output of your pace of aging rather Mm -hmm. than your biological age, which is like similar to your pace of aging is like the speed you're going in your car, which you can adjust rapidly with the gas and the brake. And your biological age would be like the distance you've traveled in your car. And so you can imagine you can change your speed much more rapidly than you can change your distance traveled. And so that is valuable in our estimation for our customers to be able to see more rapidly the rate at which they are aging. And Mm -hmm. just knowing that that is more accurate than the clocks that are giving biological age outputs um, is, is... what we emphasize as being the, the rationale for us to offer the do need and pace clock. Now yeah. nervous age doesn't only offer that. We also offer two additional tests that come with the package, uh, but those ones are secondary tertiary measures. Do need and pace should be 90 percent of your focus, uh, and then you have a biological age clock output as well, but I'll tell you straightforward that's not as accurate as do need and pace so you shouldn't put as much stock into that and right. then we have a telomere uh length and percentile for your for your chronological age of your telomere length and that is more important to see if they get too short or to yeah. see if you slow down the shortening or if you lengthen them mm-hmm. but um unless they are too short it doesn't really make that much of a difference your telomere length
0: yeah well i mean there's not i think people are still working on figuring out telomeres and 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 their what they mean necessarily, right? It's like you say, you're better off with longer telomeres than shorter telomeres, but it's not, there's not, there's not a straight line to anything that we're aware of right now, other than the fact that you know, in centenarians, it was observed that in their last two weeks of life, let's say their telomeres shortened dramatically. And did they die because they lost telomere length, or did they lose telomere length because they were dying? I don't. I don't even know that that argument is necessarily settled just yet. But that Dunedin pace of aging clock is really interesting. Or measure is really interesting. I've been using that test with my clients for, for well, I mean, as long as it's been available and. um and it's, it's it's interesting because it doesn't freak people out necessarily. And I haven't seen too many people. I don't know what how many you've looked at. I haven't seen too many where people are over the one, right? So this is one of these measures where you want to be under one. There's a little clock and actually yeah. they use our tortoise and hare um, images, <laughs> right? And you yeah. want to be under the one because let's say your number comes in at 0.75. So that means you're aging 0. 0.75 years for every year of life. Well, at this current moment, you're aging right. 0.75 versus a year.
1: Correct, yes. Right. right, yes. And and the reason you're probably not seeing many people below the one threshold is because you're working with people who care about their health and are taking mm-hmm. care of their health. Uh, but if yeah. you were to test the general population, you'd probably have a roughly 50-50 um, distribution yeah. of people above and below the one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, what's the work you've done now around this? So, uh, actually, so before I do, so you do tel- so you do offer the telomere test and then the DNA methylation as well.
1: Uh, yes, yes, we offer those are included in the in the Novos Age Kit. Um, to the point about telomere length, uh, there's there's a fair amount of research that finds that. Once you get to a critical threshold of telomere length where it becomes too short, and I can't remember off the top of my head how many kilobases that, that is, yeah. kilobases being the measurement that unit used for telomere length. Um but once you're below that critical threshold, then your chances of disease, like digestive tract cancers and uh, other diseases, goes up significantly. Mm. But as long as you're beyond that, you're longer than that, then your chances of disease are are roughly equal, um, at least according to the dimension of of, of yeah. telomeres. Yeah. so um, so if, if you have if you have you know relatively short telomeres at a young age. That you might want to be a little bit more, uh, you know, pay more attention to that rather than if you're, if you've got, you know, moderately long telomeres and you're older, you don't really have to compare yourself to others in that case. Like if you're moderately long, you can, you can kind of put that aside and move on to other measurements, is essentially what I mean about telomeres.
0: For sure. I actually think that short telomeres have sometimes been observed in high performance athletes who are quite young. Have you heard that?
1: Oh, I, I I'm not aware well, of that. Would um, be interested like have, to see
0: that. Unless it was a DNA methylation, I might be mixing it up with DNA methylation. But I know that Bill Lawrence, in his work, um, was referred an an Olympian who was in her early 30s and was showing a biological age in her 50s, and um, you know, it took them. I think it was about 18 months, but they were able to reverse the trend for her. But, you know, it's speaking a little bit going back to the beginning of our conversation tonight where we were talking about these, you know, high performance behaviors in life aren't necessarily leading you down this path of longevity. Um, But going back to to Novos and the pace of aging clock, um, have you've done some case studies here and are you now? basically getting into a world where you're looking obviously looking to see how the formula is impacting these metrics for people which is super exciting yes
1: <laughs> yes yes so yes this is one of the most exciting outcomes that we've had as a company was uh, we we did a case study it started one year ago in February 2022 and it it wrapped up in what is that um uh, august i believe of 2022 and uh, we gave 12 participants, six male, six female, uh, the Novos Age test equivalent um, prior to us launching Novos Age uh, prior and also prior to taking Novos Core and Boost. And then they took Novos Core and Boost daily for six months. And then we retested them at the six-month mark. And one person dropped out because they weren't compliant. They weren't taking the formula. Um, so we had 11 in the end.
0: They weren't uh, drinking six the female.
1: Juice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they weren't drinking the juice. Uh, so six six female, five male, aged 39 to 76. So we got a wow. wide range of, of middle age to older age. And of them, um, eight of the 11 showed a significant reduction in pace of aging. Uh, which is approximately 75% of them. Mm -hmm. And those who did not show an an improvement in their biological age, it's actually really important to note that they did not increase their pace of aging. They stayed static um, within the error margin. So what that essentially says is that these people could have theoretically had accelerated aging. Maybe they had stressors in their lives like, uh, depression or or stress or alcohol yeah. use or smoking or whatever it may be that would have ordinarily accelerated aging, but they didn't. So 100% of the subjects either stayed where they were and didn't get worse, or a majority of them close to 75% improved um, their, their scores. And so the average change was minus 6.1% um, improvement in pace of aging. The maximum change was minus 14% improvement in uh, pace of aging. Lifestyle was not changed, diet was not changed. We told them to simply change um, taking, taking Novo's Core and Boost, nothing else. Um, and uh, for the statistics geeks out there, we we did an analysis, the p-value, so the probability of this being coincidence versus actual effect from NOVOS, the p-value is 0.001. Wow.
0: The typical
1: p-value for a scientific study to be statistically significant is 0.05. Yeah. So we were 50 times more likely to not be a coincidence than the typical standard that scientists apply. So we're very confident that Novos is doing something favorable. And we have a clinical study, two of them actually, that are are kicking off to, to prove that out in the scientific setting.
0: That's fantastic. Good for you. Congratulations. The nice Thank thing you. about the pace of aging as you, and people can do their own end of one here because the cool thing about pace of aging is it doesn't take that long to to impact it. Right. So I think the the beautiful experiment people can do for themselves is order that test, do it day one, use your Novos core um, and boost, hopefully Uh, use both for I would say I mean, for me, I would say six months. I know that you can see shifts even sooner than that. But if you can do a six month trial, I think it gives you a really nice window to see how yeah. you can
1: shift your outcome. We actually recommend 12 months. You could do six months. The reason we recommend 12 months is to minimize confounding factors of seasonality. Sure. So if you imagine, you know, how, how, what your lifestyle is in December versus July, mm-hmm. it's dramatically different timeouts, outdoors, UV exposure, alcohol consumption, what your dietary patterns are, so on and so forth. There's stress levels. So those can all impact your pace of aging. And so to get the most accurate results, we say once every 12 months, but yes, you can probably see changes within six months. It just won't be as precise.
0: Fantastic. Okay. And then you said you have more testing coming down the pipes. You have more case studies. Does that mean you're using, you're just doing this with more people or what do you-
1: Oh, no. So we're doing clinical studies. So we are we are actually working with scientists uh, and scientific labs to do, you know, double blind um, placebo controlled studies of of people taking those. Uh, But as you know, those those take a long time, a lot of money. And uh, uh, even even getting it off the ground took longer than I was hoping it would. Right. So I'm an entrepreneur all about executing as as fast as (laughs) as we reasonably can without sacrificing quality and, um, it, you know, we're work, working, um, for, for these IRB approvals and, yeah. um, and you know, the finance teams and all this stuff at universities, it, it just, it took a while, but, um, we'll eventually have the results.
0: Well, and it's, and it's happening, right? So, um, so what's next? do you, are you developing new formulas? Like, I mean, it seems like you have such a beautiful comprehensive formula here. You don't kind of don't want to mess with it, but, uh, to always be something new coming down the pipes. I mean, there's definitely other aspects of longevity and aging that you guys could be going after.
1: Yes. Uh, yeah. So, so first of all, yeah, we're, when something's working like why mess with it and, and we're finding a lot of great results from Novo's core. So, uh, we are kind of in the position of well let's let's see how far we can get with this with the scientific studies and the impacts that we make on aging and it would it would take um a lot of of scientific evidence and rationale for us to modify the formula. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that said, we are also looking into other um, products that we can bring to market that might address aging in in different ways from different perspectives. Um, There's a lot of really cool, novel ideas that we have um, with the scientific team internally um, that we are exploring and researching. And then ultimately, we'll have to decide which one or two are are the most promising and uh, the most impactful and safest and most affordable and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of factors that come into play to make that decision, but we're working on that. Uh, we're simultaneously really building out the content on our website. So mm-hmm. publishing more frequently than, than ever before, because a public benefit corporation, it's very important to me personally and to the team that we are enabling people to live longer, healthier lives, even if they're not buying our products. Uh you know, we believe in our products, but we also know, number one, it's not as it's not affordable for everyone. Some people don't want to take our products for whatever personal reasons, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be able to get healthier. So uh, we put that information out there for free and um, you can find it at no slash blog. I've done webinars that uh, we publish on YouTube and you can also find on our blog if you search for them. Uh, and so trying to get as much information out there to the public as possible. And, um, and we hope that in doing this and working with the talented scientists that we have going back to an earlier point that I, I brought up that we want to hopefully bring clarity to all of the noise. That's only going to increase in this space where you're going to have individuals and companies trying to, you know, uh, profit from the longevity space and they may obfuscate information or give misleading information or release products that are not ideal for longevity, but them as if they are. So we hope to be that channel to bring clarity to people, to understand uh, what's out there, what's legitimate and real, what isn't. Um, And uh, uh, that's part of our our vision as a company.
0: I love it. That's fantastic. I mean, you know, I think your website, it's so rich, right? It's, I mean, you could spend... Hours Like it's not a place you, I mean, for me, I've got to make sure I've carved out some time because there are many, (laughs) many rabbit holes that we we can dive into. You know, the last thing I want to touch on today, actually, because it seems like it would have been so easy for you to put the Novos Boost into that formula without, without impacting you. And I think we talked about it in the first podcast, but for people who didn't listen to the first episode and don't want to go listen to another one, do you want to just quickly, before we go, touch on why Novos Boost, which is basically NMN, is kind of, you know, it's not playing with the other kids in the same playground. How come you kept them <laughs> kept it away?
1: <laughs> uh, there are a few reasons. One was that NMN is a newer ingredient. And as convinced as we are on the science behind the ingredient, compared to the other ingredients in our formula that have been studied for decades, have been taken for in some cases, thousands of years, uh, mm-hmm. in our food supply, for example. And, um, though you could argue that about NMN, I believe it's rich in tomatoes of all things, but, uh,
0: yeah, but you'd have the, to eat there, a lot of we, tomatoes, we just,
1: <laughs> it, right, right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so so for for that reason, that that was one of the reasons was we we wanted to uh, have like the very solid foundation of Novo's core, and then uh, Novo's boost as like a booster to it, which brings up the second point was is that no uh, NMN is a very expensive ingredient. Mm. Fortunately, the 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 cost has come down compared to what it was when we launched it two years ago, but it's still expensive. And so that would have raised the price of Novos Core, where it would probably be inaccessible for a lot of people. It would have yeah. put us well over the $100 per month price level. And right now, if you subscribe, you can get it for $79 a month, which mm. is much more affordable. Even psychologically speaking, it's more affordable than being over that $100 price threshold. I wanted to make the product accessible and then give people the option to add this newcomer to the longevity scene, being NMN as a booster on top of NovoScore.
0: Yeah, no that makes total sense. And I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, NovoScore it's kind of like your longevity multivitamin, right? It's uh it's it's you can take your multi with your little trace nutrients and whatnot here, then you've got your NovoScore and you you can probably cover a lot of bases right there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean that's well. We we think of like the multi is kind of like your general health supplement. Yeah. And If you're deficient in any of these general health uh, nutrients, you can uh, unfortunately end up with a shorter lifespan as a result of that. If you don't have adequate vitamin D or vitamin K or the B vitamins and so on, so get that foundation. You can do that with a with with the multi, let's say, and then Novo's core is the longevity supplement. That's what takes you over the top and. Um, and extends the health span, lifespan side of the equation.
0: Beautiful. All right, sir, we're going to wind up. I'm going to ask you your final question. And it goes a little bit to what you were just talking about a minute ago. If you were going to give someone your three tips on living their bestest, healthiest life that would lead them to amazing longevity and health span, what would it be?
1: Three tips. Uh, I would start with knowledge, education, learning, right? Because there's a lot of, uh, incorrect information out there, or, uh, even with the best of intentions, sometimes it's just not, uh, your ultimate goal. Maybe it's a short-term health goal, like we discussed at the beginning of this. So I would say the first is to, to learn, to, to rely on authorities in the space, um, to get your information from, uh, number two, is I would start integrating, um, I I would start looking at health through the lens of longevity. Mm -hmm. So the things that you're doing, ask the question, this is a question I was asking before I started Novos and and led to me founding it, was, is what I'm doing good for me not only in the short term and that short term goal, but the long term as well? Mm -hmm. Or are there negative outcomes that can come from this um, for for the long term, and you'd be surprised by how many things if you start doing searches online and research and go on PubMed, Google, and so on that might not necessarily be good for you in the long term. Yeah, uh, and then number three, I would say uh, start integrating longevity practices, uh, whether that be ten with uh, you know Novo's age. Um, you can also do like face age, which is a free feature we have on our website where it measures your, your facial age based on AI. It's novoslabs.com slash face age, completely nice. free. We pay for it. Um, uh, there's a survey we have on our website where you can track your lifestyle. So like get this basic foundational inf- uh, data out yourself. Uh, so you have something to look back on and then integrate, whether it be no- Novo supplements, uh, the lifestyle advice we share, the lifestyle advice you share, and, uh, and then track again, check it again in six months and 12 months. Um, age would be the best way to do it. The most scientifically valid and, and, um, complete way to do it. But face age is, is a free tool that if you don't have the money to spend on, on, on Nobo's age, you could go with face age and, and the survey to get started.
0: Wow. Face age, that's almost a little scary, but I'm going to have to do that one day. I'm going to have to screw (laughs) up my courage and get in there. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much. That um, was amazing. Beautiful way to close. I appreciate your time and all the hard work you guys are doing. So once again, guys, you can find more information at Novoslabs.com. You can use code NAT5, which will save you a little bit of money on your purchases. And then where else can people find you, Chris? I know you've got your own personal website and then also on Instagram.
1: Yeah. So Instagram and Twitter, it's at slow my age. And then I have a website, slowmyage.com. there. You can find that article that I re- referenced before about longevity versus short-term health and performance, but then other pieces that I put there as well as my own biological test results and lifestyle and so on.
0: Super. Thank you so much. It's been a Thank pleasure you. as always. We'll talk soon. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> take care. Before we wrap up today's episode, I'd love to invite you to sign up for my newsletter. Each week I share my biggest key takeaways from that week's podcast episode, giving you insight into how to take action on what you learned in the interview. Plus I shared the biohacks I'm loving that week and why, as well as facts and tips about peptides for longevity. To join the newsletter, head over to natalienidham.com forward slash newsletter to get access now or find the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for your continued support and for tuning in to today's episode. I wish you all the best this week in biohacking your superhuman performance. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to leave us a five-star review on iTunes because that's what helps us to be heard and to be seen. If you'd like to connect with me directly, or if you'd like to leave any comments, or if you have any questions about this episode, please reach out to me directly through my website, natnidham.com. And of course, if you're not already a member of the Biohacking Superhuman Performance Community on Facebook, that's where you'll find me every day. It's a short application, just answer a couple of questions and you're in and interfacing with other amazing biohackers. Thanks again, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode.